Hi, and welcome back to Overproof Club, also known as Five Minutes of Rum, which is, of course, notes on rum a few minutes at a time. My name is Kevin Up the Grove. Within the cocktail bubble that I live in, the most talked about rum of the last year is definitely Plantation's OFTD. You guys know Plantation Rums. Uh, episode one of this show was the venerable Plantation 5 from Barbados. Episode 19 was Original Dark. Episode 25 was Plantation 3 Star, which, side note, I am really missing right now. Distribution has seemingly gone dry in my area, which is, of course, terrible. And, of course, in episode 66, we talked about Plantation Stiggins Fancy. Uh, now, OFTD is Plantation's revised overproof rum. They had one on the market previous to OFTD, and I had that rum in sort of my backlog of uh, episodes that I wanted to prepare. Now, as supply of that rum dwindled and OFTD became or came into focus, I changed gears and started working on cocktails that use the, the this new hotness from Plantation. You may remember a mention of OFTD from such episodes as the aforementioned number 66, where I partnered it with uh, Stiggins Fancy. Here in episode 72, it gets a chance to hog the spotlight all on its own. Also in this episode, I'll take a glance at shrubs, make a fresh batch of spice syrup, and put it all together in a cocktail called Spicy Danger. Listeners who are into tiki cocktails and overproof rum, this one's for you. Now moving right into the Plantation OFTD uh, rum for this episode, that is Plantation Old Fashioned Traditional Dark. Um, Plantation, as I mentioned in the open, has long had an overproof rum their lineup, but in the last year they've released an update to that overproof that I feel is an improvement in every way imaginable. Much like Hamilton 151, OFTD is an overproof rum put together and uh, concocted by drinkers of rum who are aware of the part of the market that they want to fill with this big full flavored rum for mixing. That said, and not to get too ahead of myself, this one ain't a bad sipper either. In fact, on that note, let's jump right into tasting this rum before we talk a little bit about more about how it's produced and what its history is. So the Plantation OFTD, which I have right here in front of me, um, first of all, in terms of appearance, I'd like to mention how happy I am that Plantation decided to make this a one liter bottle. Um, I just appreciate the extra additional 250 milliliters. Now, this rum follows the recent branding efforts Plantation has made across their quote unquote standard line, um, like the three star, the Stiggins Fancy and the original dark. The OFTD sports a large wraparound label that is full of information about what inspired the rum. The bottle itself is a very heavy-duty one-liter glass bottle with embossed plantation logo and name. The labeling also proudly announces its overproofness um, and 69% ABV with large numbers and graphical banners. In contrast to how the old Lemonheart yellow label 80 and 151 were distinguished by only a tiny red corner of the label, the OFTD isn't going to confuse itself for another plantation bottle. Um, and as far as the rum itself, it is very dark in the bottle, sort of a dark reddish brown. In the glass, it's much the same and operates at about 85% opacity when you hold it up into the light within a glass. Uh, when it comes to aroma, uh, you get a bit of caramel. You can call that burnt sugar if you want on the nose. Um, and surprisingly, very little astringency, um, although once you aerate it and swirl it in the glass, you get a little bit more. Um, oh, that, that actually is kind of a bad sign because that means less warning signs for this rum's potency if you're getting less on the nose, uh, less astringency, I should say, on the nose. There is uh, also some molasses and a little bit of dustiness or smokiness. And after being in the air for a longer period of time, the smokiness comes a little bit more to the forefront. So as it sits in the glass and you, and you uh, wait on it for a few minutes, it actually gets a little bit more of that smokiness uh, up on the front of the nose. Uh, when it comes to taste... Uh, well, since this isn't my first tasting of the evening, um, I forego, I decided to forego the conditioning sip uh, where you spit out the first sip and then take the second sip. So 
Uh, straight up, one of the first things that you're going to notice about this rum is that it doesn't feel like it's 138 proof. And I mean that as a compliment and also as a warning. Uh, the rum is you know, medium to heavy bodied with some light spice notes at first and then more of an explosion on the tip of the tongue before settling into a caramel uh, taste and then a little bit more smoke and chocolate. Um, when it comes to finish, um, you may as well go ahead and charge rent on that finish because OFTD is going to hang out for a while. Uh, there's a nice steady lingering heat within this rum that um, after a, a few sips starts to dry out. In fact, the dryness also remind, almost reminds me of the after effects of a cigar or a cigarette. Uh, so let's mark that down as perhaps a tobacco note. Now, after about half of my pour, I added uh, on my original pour when I was doing the tasting, I added a very small piece of ice to see how it would change. The first thing I noticed is that it was like taking sandpaper at any rough edges on the spirit that existed before. The character itself didn't change a great deal, though. So, although some of the more peppery notes made themselves known, um, and then a little bit more of the tannin notes as well. So on top of that, the juiciness of the fruit from the nose started to rive, rise above the earthiness. So all in all, this may be the rare occasion where I would take my pour with that nice cube. Um, I like the little small differences, and I have a little bit in my glass here right now. Now, um, to sum up this rum, this is one overproof rum that I would actually sip neat on a regular basis. Uh, there's a line in Beach Bum Berry's The Grog Log, um, uh, where he describes the inspiration for his cocktail, Heart of Darkness. He says Lemon Heart 151 is his favorite rum, but you can't drink much of it without blacking out. Um, I love me some one, uh, Lemon Heart 151, but OFTD is where Mr. Berry's description really crystallized in my mind. Uh, this is a hell of a rum for both sipping, but the cocktail possibilities are nearly endless. So if you have the means and you have the availability, get this rum and get to work. I will be forever sad if this rum leaves the market, um, and that's not to say that it nudges out Hamilton 151 in my bar. I actually have love and I have room for them both. Now, as a quick refresher on Plantation Rum, Plantation Rum was born through Alexander Gabriel, who got his start in 1989 with Cognac production. Um, rum entered that picture in the 1990s as Mr. Gabriel traveled through the Caribbean, uh, pulling stocks of rum from various islands and regions. Uh, Plantation then built its reputation by taking these barrels of Caribbean rum and aging them again in France in French oak casks. Uh, you can find many fine sipping rums in the plantation line that follow this template, usually, usually designated um, on the bottle by a year and a country of origin. So, for example, a Trinidad 1999 or a Jamaica 2002. Uh, they're known on the plantation site as the quote-unquote vintages. Different varieties come and go on the market as you know as they dry up their stocks. Um, I've not talked about these vintages on the, on the show primarily because I don't mix with them. I only sip them. But if anyone is interested in hearing about a few of these uh, with um, maybe a couple of these within a single show, let me know. I have a, a few favorites and a few bottles on hand. Now, in the plantation line itself, you'll find OFTD within the quote-unquote bar classics section of their rum lineup. And that sits next to the original Dark, the Stickens Fancy, and my long-missing yet beloved three-star. Did I already mention how much I missed the three-star? Why I can't find this locally anymore is a mystery as well as a crime. Um, anyways, as I mentioned earlier, Plantation had an overproof rum before. It was derived from the same rum that was the older version of their original Dark. Original Dark went through its own revamp in the last couple of years as well. The former overproof, that, that was the old uh, Plantation overproof, was straight Trinidad rum and was bottled at 146 proof. Um, it was a good enough rum, but I usually didn't favor it over Lemon Heart or Hamilton 151. Um, it was better than lighter overproof rums like Don Q, but I just didn't use it all that much. Essentially, the old version was the Old Plantation Dark Rum, the Old Plantation 80 Proof Dark Rum, 
but at a higher proof. So those were essentially the same rums, but just diluted to different proofs. Now with the new OFTD, the formula is all new, wholesale changes. OFTD is a blend of rums from Jamaica, Guiana, and Barbados. Trinidad, uh, Trinidad rum has gone from 100% to 0% within uh, one change in bottle. Now, per an article at Cocktail Wonk, there's a link to that in the show notes, uh, Mr. Gabriel attributed this change to a potential shortage of pot still rum from Trinidad uh, to blend with. So that would have affected the previous blend. And so seeing that as potentially uh, being a problem where they couldn't get that rum anymore, it was an opportunity to come up with a whole new blend. Now, the overproof now comes in at 138 proof or 69% ABV, slightly down, but you won't notice the difference in terms of proof. Now, to help create this brand, uh, excuse me, this blend, Alexander Gabriel brought in some heavy hitters in the rum slash tiki bar crowd to collaborate on it. You'll see them as drawings on the lovely label for OFTD on the bottle itself. There's a picture of that in the show notes as well. Um, now, who are these seven faces on the label? Um, some need no introduction to listeners of this show but you're going to get a short one anyways. They are, uh, first and foremost, uh, uh, going down the line from the bottle, Jeff Berry. He is, of course, a Roman tiki cocktail author. He is a historian and the proprietor of Latitude 29. Next up is Martin Kate, owner of Smuggler's Cove, author of the book of the same name, which I just learned tonight, one book of the year. It tales of the cocktail 2017, so congratulations to Martin and his wife. Oh, and he has a hand in a number of other bars you probably know about, like uh, Whitechapel, False Idol, and Highlight Pele, just to name a few. Paul McGee is on the label as well. He's a partner in Lost Lake, Chicago. Paul was formerly at Three Dots and a Dash in Chicago, very well respected for his skills at the bar, as well as for his skills with a beard. Uh, the next up is Scotty uh, Schudler. Excuse me, Schudler. Uh, Scotty is an American in Paris who opened the Dirty Dick Tiki Bar in 2013. You can hear the whole story about how he opened that bar in episode 21 of Inside the Desert Oasis Room. Uh, there's a link to that show in the show notes. Uh, next up is Paul McFadden. Fad, Fadian. Uh, this is uh, one name I didn't know before. Paul is the uh, is the owner, co-owner, excuse me, of a bar named Trailer Happiness in London and a brand ambassador for Pierre Ferrand, the umbrella corporation over Plantation Rum. Uh, next up, David Wondrich, a historian and delightful writer. Imbibe and Punch are must-reads for any cocktail enthusiast. Those are both his books, uh, and he continues to write uh, many articles online about uh, the backstory of many cocktails. I've heard it said that Mr. Wonderich helped provide, provide the name for this rum after tasting a tweaked blend and declaring his admiration for it very loud and enthusiastically. And then last but not least, there's Alexander Gabriel, you know, the seller master behind this whole endeavor. Now, on the bottle, you can read a fancy paragraph on the side of the label that describes how OFTD was quote-unquote discovered, or at least how it happened in an alternate universe. I'm pretty confident that the assembled cabal for this endeavor provided guidance on what would work, what would work well in cocktails designed for this rum, as well as participating in honing the blend as it was developed. But that story on the label makes for better reading on the bottle when it's actually in front of you, instead of this dry description of how they got to the, where they wanted to go. Um... Well done all around, gentlemen. I, I, I appreciate your efforts, uh, appreciate your service, and may this rum never go out of production, I say. Now, if you want to categorize this rum, I'd go ahead and slot this into the Lemon Heart 151 slot. Is it the same? Nope. Uh, but does it occupy the same space? Yeah, mostly. Uh, this is squarely in the black blended overproof rum category, so experiment, this, experiment with this in your favorite Lemon Heart 151 recipes and see how it works. Um, I've used it as the basis for a 151 swizzle and certainly wasn't disappointed. And heck, I wouldn't blame you if you just decided to use this as a float in, in, a, in a different cocktail. 
Uh, today's recipe that we'll get to in a little bit has a heavy pour of OFTD, but feel free to experiment with it in smaller amounts. I think you'll enjoy the results. I've also used it in a jet pilot um, to great effect. So again, go ahead and experiment and use it where you would use on a heart and see which ones work and which ones don't work for you. Now, where to find this rum and how much does it cost? I haven't found this rum to be wild, widely available yet. Uh, bigger stores like Total Wine, who do stock things like the Stickens Fancy and Plantation 5, haven't yet got on board with the OFTD. I'm not sure why. That said, some of the larger non-chain stores are starting to carry it. Um, it comes in a one-liter bottle, like I mentioned before, and retails for around $29 for that one-liter bottle. Um, it would probably be, be a bargain at twice the price, but if it were twice the price, then I might pour a little bit less of it. Now, next, let's talk about shrubs. What is a shrub in the cocktail world? Webster's Dictionary defines a shrub as, nah, just kidding, uh, the same in ninth grade book report. Now, we talked about shrubs in the, con uh, in the uh, context of a gastrique in episode 36. There are a couple of ways to define a shrub for a cocktail. To start, we're going to say that it is a slightly acidic beverage made of fruit, sugar, and some acid in the form of either fruit juice or vinegar. That's the acid is either in the form of fruit juice or vinegar. Uh, this is very much in line with a gastrique. Uh, the one from episode 36 used a balsamic vinegar, but shrubs use all sorts of vinegar in general. In ye old colonial days, there was uh, the, the shrub was a way to preserve fruit and fruit juice after harvesting, sort of, sort of a mild fruit pickle once the vinegar does its work. But of course, as soon as you mention pickle, all you can recall is pickled cucumbers. So just remove that thought from your head. Um, after removing the fruit from its acidic preserve, uh, the fruit itself was eaten, but the leftover liquid was still a fine specimen for mixing with cold water. So that was uh, the birth of sort of the shrub as a cocktail or as a drink, I should say. At this point, it's not really a cocktail. Now, as with most things, an enterprising sort wondered how that would go with well with alcohol or not well with alcohol. And then we arrive at the shrub as a cocktail and something in, uh, in the cocktail world. Now, because of the sugar and acid, shrubs are both sweet and tart. Uh, you know, a little bit of magic there. Just keep in mind that you have some of that tart in the shrub, so you may not need as much citrus in your shrub cocktail masterpiece that you're working on. Now, in Jeffrey Morgenthaler's The Bar Book, he describes a method for quickly producing a shrub that simmers fruit and vinegar rather than macerating that fruit and sugar first before adding the vinegar. Uh, this gets you to a shrub sooner. As I've read um, on Mr. Morgenthaler's site before, he likes things that taste good and things that are easy. Uh, so I would probably uh, defer to that uh, arrangement that he's referring to in his book. Now, I'm not making my own shrub for today's cocktail. Maybe I'll try one for a future show. But if you want to try and give one a, uh, if you want to try, if you want to give one a try, there's a link in the show notes to a Serious Eats article that walks you through the process. Now, FYI, you will find proponents of both hot process and cold process shrubs online. I don't know if they're a rowdy bunch on either side, but, you know, proceed with caution. Now, what is uh, Clement? So we're going to use, in today's recipe, we're going to use Clement's Creole shrub. Now, what is, what is Clement's version? How does that fit in with shrubs? So if you'll recall, I said that there were a couple ways to describe a shrub when it comes to cocktails. The other one, other than the one we just talked about, refers to a fruit liqueur from the 17th and 18th century where sugar and citrus and rinds were, were added to brandy or rum. So Clement Creole shrub, used again, used in this episode's recipe, is also a very fine orange liqueur um, that you would use for like a Mai Tai. It's a good example of this type of shrub. Um, it itself is comprised of both Blanc and aged agricole rums, to which bitter orange peels and macerated spices are added along with sugar. Those bitter orange peels will immediately remind you of various orange curacao uh, or different orange curacaos, like maybe a Grand Marnier or a you know, straight up curacao. 
Um, but here the added benefit is that the base um, of the spirit itself is rum rather than brandy. So do seek a bottle out if you haven't had it. I've had good luck in the past um, using this as my go-to Curacao for all purposes. Now, now I actually usually default to the Pierre Ferrand dry Curacao, but I do keep a bottle of the uh, Clement Creole Shrub on hand as well. Uh, Clement Creole Shrub is bottled at a full feature 80 proof and retails for about $30 for a 750 milliliter bottle. If you go searching for a bottle, remember that Clement spells their shrub with two B's, presumably for important reasons. Maybe the extra B is for flavor. Um, so I got a taste for, if you've got a taste for making your own, you can also head to Boston Apothecary online for an article discussing, you know, just that topic on how to make your own Creole shrub. Um, haven't gone down that road yet. So, uh, good luck if you do. All right. We have an overproof rum. We have a shrub. Let's get to a cocktail recipe. The recipe in this episode is a swizzle that's using OFTD. Of, of course it is. Now, the first cocktail I created that integrated OFTD was the Pineapple Express that was mentioned in episode 66. Uh, that was a multi-ingredient affair that was built upon a Jet Pilot template. So as a reminder, here's that recipe, and I like it, so that's why I'm plugging it again. The Pineapple Express from episode 66 is three-quarter ounce of fresh pineapple juice, fresh if possible, one-half ounce of fresh white grapefruit juice, one-quarter ounce of fresh lemon juice, one-half ounce of fullerenum, one-half ounce of honey mix, one ounce of plantation original dark rum, three quarter ounce of plantation Stiggins fancy rum or pineapple rum, three quarter ounce of plantation OFTD, and one dash of Bitterman's Elamakule Tiki Bitters. Uh, you flash blend that with 12 ounces of crushed ice, pour it unstrained into a tiki mug or a double old fashioned glass, and then garnish it with pineapple leaves and a pineapple chunk on a bamboo skewer or pick. Now, after that recipe, I wanted to create or I wanted to uh, come up with a recipe that would feature OFTD as the primary rum. So a swizzle seemed like the way to go. Uh, you want lots of crushed ice to help mellow out the rich strength of OFTD. Um, like the Pineapple Express, I went through a large number of iterations to get to the final destination with various citrus and syrup and bitters attempted. Um, I wanted it to be bold and bracing, but I didn't want it to quite be at zombie level strength. Uh, so lime settled in as the citrus uh, element early on, while honey, molasses syrup, demerara syrup, and spice syrup all vied for their place in the in the swizzle. Now, eventually the spice syrup won out and that uh, using spice syrup eliminated the use of bitters, creating a pretty simple swizzle with plenty of spice notes, plenty of orange and rum. Um, I actually wrote a blog post about the spice syrup back in two, 2014. Uh, TLDR, the spice syrup recipe I found online was an attempt to reverse engineer the Trader Vic's Navy Grog syrup mix. Turns out that it was pretty close and allowed me to concoct the Tiki Puka Puka cocktails at home. Um, as I record this, I'm very glad that I wrote down the recipe because the original post that was on Sloshed is gone. The domain uh, seems to have expired and elapsed and gone to some domain holding company that's actually in uh, a foreign language. Uh, the site itself may be on the Internet Archive, but I'm not checking on that right now. Um, that's not really great radio. Um, it's too bad the actually that the article isn't online anymore because the original article had a cool story that talked through not only creating the spice syrup, but that actually circled back to some uh, origins on Tiki Central. So it kind of made like a good full circle story. Now, if you want to make spice syrup at home, and I recommend that you do, you're going to crack together three cinnamon sticks. Um, you're going to add in two, well, probably more like four whole cloves, uh, one quarter teaspoon of cardamom, or if you're starting from whole cardamom pods, use one teaspoon of pods and two tablespoons of whole allspice. Uh, crack those, again, like I said, crack those all together and then pour that into a sauce pot and boil in three cups of water 
and boil that until about one and a half cups of that remains. Now strain that to take out the uh, remnants from the spices and then add in one and a half cups of sugar and heat that over low heat until the sugar is dissolved. Uh, you're probably going to have enough heat in that spice tea mix that you're not going to need much heat to melt the sugar. It's probably going to come together pretty quickly. After that, let it cool on the stovetop and then bottle it and add about one ounce of white rum to help just help stabilize that and prevent crystallization. Now, the name of the cocktail today is Spicy Danger. The name Spicy Danger is both a reference to the spice and strength of the swizzle, uh, that's the spice syrup and the overproof rum, as well as the name of track number 10 on In Venice, an album by local SoCal surf rockers, the Glasgow Tiki Shaker, excuse me, Glasgow Tiki Shakers. Uh, if you're not familiar with them, please do check out their music and catch their live shows if you're in the area. They play with some regularity in Southern California, uh, so you can catch them there. Now, the spicy danger recipe itself, two ounces of plantation OFTD, one half ounce of Clement Creole shrub, three quarter ounces of fresh lime juice, only fresh lime juice. Come on. I don't think we've talked about this lately, but just fresh squeezed lime juice. None of that bottled stuff. Uh, three quarter ounce of spice syrup and one ounce of soda water. So to concoct this, fill a Collins glass with crushed ice, add all of the ingredients except for the soda water, swizzle that until it's chilled, and then top with more crushed ice and add the soda water, and then stir that just to combine. And then you're going to garnish that with an orange spiral. Um, you can also make this in a, if you have a, a spindle blender, you can also mix it that way. Uh, hand swizzling, it would just be a little bit more of the way to go, but uh, no, no harm in using a mixer as well. Now, one of the variants that didn't stick um, used molasses syrup instead of spice syrup, and then I added some tiki bitters to that. I actually did really like that version, but that combination overtook the subtle flavors from the shrub that I was trying to incorporate, um, so you didn't really get the orange notes I was looking for. I may repurpose that version, but swap in a different modifier for the Creole shrub uh, because, it again, it was a, a good cocktail. It just didn't quite hit the notes I was looking for. Now, if you need another delicious OFTD recipe, head over to Kritiki.com's news section. There's a link to this in the, this article in the show notes, and there's a link there to a recipe called the Ohana Joe. That's a recipe from Jeff Cleveland that utilizes plantation OFTD and Stickens Fancy, but also uses a coffee sidebar. So a very good drink. Uh, wholeheartedly endorse that. Go check it out and make it at home. You will not be disappointed. That's it for this show. Thanks for listening. The show links are up on the 5 Minutes of Rum website. That's number 5 minutesofrumcom The show is also on iTunes as 5 Minutes of Rum. You can subscribe there. You can rate the show there. You can even leave a review there. The show is also on Twitter and Instagram as at 5 Minutes of Rum, at symbol number 5 Minutes of Rum. Please send in any comments, corrections, feedback, or requests via the 5 Minutes of Rum website or on Twitter or on Instagram. And now, go get some rum. <laughs>